Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, it's Sunday morning and time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, I have to say a very good morning to Virginia Haywood. Good morning, Virginia. Good morning, Pam. I'm uh, You with a croaky voice. Yes, I'm, I'm <laughs> being Marlena Dietrich or somebody. Okay. Somebody. <laughs> very unfortunately. I have no desire to be Marlena Dietrich. But <laughs> I just hope I don't sneeze. Okay. Mm, all I'm right. staying well away from the rest of you in the studio because <laughs> I'm not very nice. Okay, all right. <laughs> But, um, yes, you've been very busy in the Botanic Gardens because you've got a new set of guides coming through. Yes, we've got a new intake of guides, of garden ambassadors and of people working in the children's garden. We only do it every couple of years. And it's fantastic. It's really exciting to have some new people. And I've been helping with the training. So that's been really good fun. And it's made me get through all my old notes, 12 years of notes, and sorting them out. I've liberated a whole drawer. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what you have to do under pressure. <laughs> and, and the person who runs our library, we've got a wonderful little library for the guides, and she is so organised. Oh, and Kay has all her stuff beautifully sorted, and I've got piles. So I'm trying to emulate Kay and become very, very organised. Right. And what we're doing is giving them a lot of the notes so that they don't, while we're talking them or walking them around the garden, they're not endlessly writing so yes, that they can yes, actually fair enough. just take it in and get a feel. Because to do a walk around the garden, you need the history of as, as well as the purpose of the garden as well as the plants. Yes. Although, of course, nobody knows all the plants. There's so many of them. Well, you were just telling us off air that not even the Botanic Gardens know all the names of the plants. No, no. Well, I was, I was just looking up one of my favourite plants, which I want to talk about later, which is Plectranthus. And I was looking it up on the garden's website, and a whole lot of them are just listed as Plectranthus species. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yes, indeed. Okay, fantastic. We've also... Got to say a very good morning to Sue Stevens. And Sue, you're out there head propagator at uh, Bushland Flora Nursery. Yes. Hi, and, Pam. And you've been busy too because you've had an open day last Saturday and yes. another one coming up. That's right. So we were open yesterday from yep. 8 until 4.30 and um, next weekend we're actually open again. So we've got a great selection of um, uh, end-of-line sort of plants and also a few of our new varieties in our um, current current area. So Now, yeah. the nursery doesn't open to the public very often, does it? No, no, twice a year. Okay. Yes, so um, people are... We have the signs up for about a month because people are driving up and down Clegg Road and they say they're always looking to see when we're having... Because we sort of vary it, but usually in March, April and then in November. Right. Yes, so... Um, Still the same face. It's actually, I've been doing it probably now for about six years, and you usually see the same people at every sale, and they say, oh, I can't wait to see this you must, know, what we've got. Yesterday must be the first one that I haven't turned up to for I don't know how long. I'm, I met you originally at one of your sales. Yes, yeah, so I actually met Virginia. Um, Virginia came in probably about six years ago with... Um, tags that a friend of hers, they're very good recyclers, Virginia and Trish, <laughs> and came back and said, I'm looking for Sue, and um, I brought all these tags back of Darwinias, and um, I got to meet Virginia because it was the first time I'd done the sale, and these two young gentlemen are putting up a retaining wall, 
and they're saying, but we want these two plants. And this voice says, no, that is too many for that embankment on Virginia from the 3CR gardening <laughs> show. And she actually sold me about $200 worth of plants <laughs> and then said, okay, I need ground covers, fill up my trolley. So I filled up her trolley and she said, now let's have coffee on Monday. And that was it. So we've been best friends since. <laughs> Well, that's a great story. Yeah. Uh, and I get to fill the trolley quite often because the rabbits eat most of them. <laughs> that's true. Ian, who owns the place, thinks I'm wonderful because I'm always having to replace it because <laughs> of my close relationship with my rabbits. Yeah. Oh, dearie me. Well, so- Although I went to a garden yesterday and I was walking around with one of the people that's there and she said, oh, my God, and there's this huge hole. And she said, oh, the wombat's back. Oh, right. Oh, so at least I don't have wombats in my garden. No, I, I, have, I have them down on the bottom dam, but not in my top garden. Yes. My I, major problem is the possums. Yes. Yeah, mm. at my house, not so much rabbits. Yeah. Yes, well, I certainly have rabbits by the, <laughs> by the gallon load. But anyway, so um, while we're talking about it being open next uh, weekend, um, you better tell listeners the address and the, the times. Yes, yes. So we're located on Clegg Road, 110 Clegg Road, Mount Evelyn. So basically between the Monbolk Sylvan Road and Wellington Road on the right-hand side, and there's plenty of parking. And uh, it's on the Millways. Yes. Good. Yes. Yes, so the actual uh, nursery yeah, oh, is listed, is it, on Millways? Well, I don't know if the nursery's listed, but right. Clegg Road is, Clegg Road. is yes. very clearly there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And we've got some really nice things on the sales area there. Really, the Croes Aligna large flower, some really good um, eight-inch pots, some beautiful banksias. So very well established. Actually, probably too good to be on the markdown section there. Really right. Good value. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but, yeah. And, I and the prices are about four dollars fifty for. <clears throat> six inch pots and six fifty for eight inch, and then the lime magics and banksias are at certain other prices. But also a lot of very well established um, calistamins and gums um, in very big pots for uh, fifteen dollars. They'd probably be two to three meters, oh, about two meters high. Some wow. of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we had a talk from the head of horticulture at the botanic gardens recently and he said that with global warming the gardens have completely changed how they're doing things they are planting in autumn that is their time yes once they used to plant in spring but they don't do it anymore they try and do their planting actually with australian natives yeah ian was saying it's um probably one of the best times to um plant yeah I prefer to plant now because you've still got the warm soil for a while. Exactly. Mm. Mm. But they're not having to struggle and try and survive through really hot days. I mean, I know we're we're still up for some warm temperatures, but we're not going to... I mean, already it's dark when I get Mm. up on a Sunday morning, so so your daylight hours are shorter for a start, and the Mm. plants aren't going to have to really struggle. And there's a bit of moisture in the air at dawn. Well, and I think that's quite important too. Yeah. We don't. It's been an interesting summer. Although it's been hot, we haven't had those north winds. My garden has survived better this summer than it has for years and years and years. And a lot of people are saying that. Mm. Yes, mm. but it's just been so dry. We really need mm. that rain. Mm. They're seeming to say we're going to get above average rain next month. That it's sort of been holding off, yes. and then it's all going to hit. I but, heard um, on Radio National at some stage that. Although we have, are in an El Nino, the thing that's happened is that the Indian Ocean has warmed up so much that the normal 
El Nino conditions are not really holding, which is why we have had sporadic rain over this summer. Mm. And it's, it's an awful thought that it's because the oceans have warmed up so much. But it hasn't been as vicious as some of our summers. No. Mm. I found it was actually the, uh, through December. That's when we actually had the... Because uh, the hot winds actually... And I had the hot afternoon sun together in my back garden, knocked it round, but... W- Probably not as much at all since no, January. No, we, ha- we haven't, and we also haven't had those continuous days of around uh, 40 with north yes, winds. Yes, They're the days that kill me. I mean, with my garden, I think of plants. In, they can take north wind, they can't. You know, that is, for me is the worst thing in my garden. Yes. And that's what I'm most concerned about. I have a plant, I look at it, will it take the north wind is my question. Mm-hmm. And I don't have enough of my garden that's not... Because I'm on top of the hill, yes. I get the north wind much more than I would like to. Mm. But then I don't want to be at the bottom of the hill because then I'd wake up in fog half the year. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have everything. No, you can't. And I wouldn't have my view if I was at the bottom of the hill. Exactly. And I love my view. Exactly. Mm. And, I mean, let's face it, as gardeners, we always have, have things we have to deal with. I mean, nobody has a... a Perfect um, site with perfect weather, with perfect soil, with um, no, you name it. Not. We just no. can't control it all. But it's fun and it's always a challenge. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, I'm going to get to uh, a few uh, announcements because uh, with it being autumn time, of course, there's quite a lot happening. Um, and there's a few things on today. If people haven't planned what they want to do for the day... Um, First up, uh, down in Geelong, uh, for Friends of Geelong Botanic Gardens, they have their next uh, discovery walk, and this is uh, capturing stormwater. Uh, now, this is taking place, um, uh, let me see, as I said, today, uh, 2 o'clock is the starting time. You meet your guide at the front steps of the Geelong Botanic Gardens. The cost is a gold coin donation. And the walk is all about discovering how Geelong Botanic Gardens has reduced its dependence on Geelong's drinking water. You'll see features in the garden hidden in plain sight that help conserve water and see how stormwater is collected and treated. You'll also be introduced to the new indigenous planting surrounding the stormwater dam. So, as I said, that's today, 2 o'clock this afternoon, gold coin donation. Also on today is the Reedsdale Bush Market. Uh, now, this is taking place at Agnes Mudford Reserve, which is at uh, 2631 Kyneton Heathcote Road in Reedsdale. And uh, this uh, is offering something of interest for all ages. Um, they've got the Bendigo and District Concert Band. will be entertaining guests. There will be children's entertainment uh, including things like face painting, um, an animal farm and jumping castle. Uh, there'll be several members of the Kyneton Vehicle Appreciation Society. Uh, they'll be displaying their vehicles on the day. Um, there'll be uh, food and plant stall um, sites there as well. There'll be a wide selection of stalls ranging from local produce, including wine tasting, olives, apples, honey, jams, chutneys, preserves, beef jerky, goodness me, cake stall and plants, right through to clothing, pre-loved and vintage, fishing tackle and on it goes. So uh, that's all uh, uh, on today. They're up there. I'll just give that address again, 2631 Kyneton Heathcote Road in Reedsdale. 
Now, uh, also, of course, a reminder that down at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens, they've got their Australian textile exhibition on at the moment. This is running through until uh, Monday the 14th. So you've only got today and tomorrow to uh, pop down there and have a look. It's their fifth exhibition of uh, fabrics, crafts and quilting at Cranbourne. Entry is free and uh, it will open from 10 through till 4 each day. The exhibits will fill the gallery area at the reception desk as well as the auditorium downstairs because there are over 200 exhibits of patchwork quilts and other items by some of Australia's leading uh, quilting and textile experts. Now, um, there will also be uh, raffle tickets uh, for um, a large quilt that has again been donated um, by uh, Lisa Chandler, who uh, has, uh, is one of our leading fabric designers. Uh, tickets are $2 each, and you can get those at the exhibition. And uh, the winning entries will be drawn at 3.30 tomorrow. Uh, and, of course, that gives you an opportunity to also go and have a look at the Australian Garden while you're down there viewing the textile exhibition. Now, also on today, down at uh, Dramana, the Heronswood Festival is on. It's their Harvest Festival. Uh, now, this is on... It was on yesterday and today. It's not on tomorrow. So, uh, if you're wanting to go down there, you'll have to go today. It's running from 9am through to 5pm. And uh, it's free entry for members of the Diggers Club... And, of course, uh, um, uh, also under 16s. Otherwise, it's $10 per person for that. And uh, the Diggers Club, of course, is down there in Dramana, in Latrobe Parade in Dramana, and it'll be well signposted. Now, also, as part of that Harvest Festival, uh, our good friend Simon Rickard is also opening his garden today and tomorrow. And, uh, again... This is uh, free for members of the Diggers Club or $10 for non-members. Now, it's a very exclusive offer. Simon's never opened his garden before. Uh, it's open from 10 a.m. through to 4 p.m. The address is Grove Street in Trentham. It's uh, about one hour's drive from the CBD. And uh, you could anyone who's there could combine this with a visit to the Garden of St. Earth, which is just 10 minutes away. And uh, you can bring a friend to the Garden of St. Earth for free today or tomorrow. So uh, there's a, a lot going on. Now, also up at Karanga, they've got their um, huge nine-day plant sale. This started yesterday and it's running through to Sunday the 20th of March, which, of course, is Sunday of next weekend. Um, and, of course, they'll be open uh, tomorrow on Labor Day as well. They've got lots of uh, special uh, sale prices marked down. Normally, prices are from about $10.95. They've got uh, plants on offer from $2.95 and upwards. So you can choose from a huge range of grasses and tufting plants, ground covers, small to medium shrubs, large shrubs or trees. Now, Karanga Native Nursery is at 118 York Road in Mount Evelyn there. Their phone number is 9760 8100. 
And that, I think, is lasting for a week, Pam. Yes, through until next Sunday, Sunday of next week, the 20th of March. Um, I've got an announcement, which is that the Preston Garden Club is having their show next weekend, next Saturday. Okay. It's their autumn show, and it's from 2 till 6 p.m. on Saturday the 19th. It's at the Preston City Hall, which is the corner of Gower and High Streets, and the Dahlia Society will be there with a special Dahlia display. Okay. So that will be fun. And, of course, one of the things I did yesterday was I went to Fernie Creek. Because Fernie Creek have their, um, what are we in, autumn, their autumn show at the moment. And it was absolutely lovely. I was in a cloud. Apparently, it had been quite sunny earlier. But when I arrived, I was in a cloud. And it was, it was just so, um, it was almost romantic. It was just <laughs> beautiful. And what I'd forgotten and I hadn't done for ages is actually walk through a lot of the gardens at Fernie Creek. And oh, the gardens are beautiful. Absolutely. I've actually never been to Oh, you there. must go, yeah. Sue. The gardens were beautiful. They're stunning. I, there were so many South African things in flower and so many rare versions of protea. And it, was, it was just breathtaking. And so I'm walking through the mist and suddenly I'd see this huge protea with these massive flowers and you just go, oh, I kept stopping taking photographs. And they're open today and they've got, I think... 11 stalls inside that are selling books, um, ferns, uh, all sorts of unusual things. They've got two botanic artists there, and then they've got, they've got about 20 outside stalls, and those outside stalls are um, a lot of the rare nurseries, which are the ones I must admit I'm addicted to because they have unusual plants. Both the Uminas there, both the Umina brothers are there, Greg Boulderston from um, Longonomous Plants is there. Misty Downs are there. So there's lots of really interesting stalls there. Actually, that might be something I can do this afternoon now. My plans have changed for today. That would be a really good idea, Sue, because it's probably like that. It's beautiful. Yes. It's really beautiful. And it's, um, I mean, their gardens are beautiful and large. It's a lovely area. It's right by the Conifer Nursery, which is the, one, of, one of the most amazing nurseries just for walking around and having a look at things that they've planted there 30 years ago. Right. They've got a Lapageria on the fence in flower. Uh, it's a Chilean climber, which has these absolutely beautiful waxy flowers that are quite big. How big is that? Three inches, four Three. inches. It's, yeah. They're absolutely gorgeous. Stephen grows it, but it is damn hard to grow. Okay. And I'm just driving up to Fernie Creek, and I, I said to Claudia, my friend, I was with, oh, look at that, it's a Lapageria. And she looked at me completely blankly. He goes Virginia again. When I say words <laughs> like that at work, they say stop swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Especially to Feistus Deja. <laughs> but, you know, I really think that Fernie Creek is, is interesting. And I was talking to one of the people, one of the people there, and they've just redone the Kaluna bed, which is Kaluna is sort of a heather, and one of the heathers had become had just become too dominant, and so they've redone the bed, and they're missing. They have really unusual things, you know. They specialise in having very, un- and they've got collections that Plant Trust okay. with Plant Trust. So you know, some of their stuff is collected is is a national part of the national collections, and. The Kaluna, they've, the Kaluna bed, which they've redone, some of them have died and have disappeared. And many years ago, they sent them, the Botanic Gardens in Sydney has got Mount Tomar 
up in the mountains and they'd sent things to Mount Toma. And now Mount Toma is sending some of those ones that they have, that have disappeared back, you yeah, know. And that sort of collaboration is wonderful to hear about, yeah. yes. Yeah. So I really think people should, and of course anybody who's interested can, I mean they have a whole lot of different groups in Fernie Creek. There's a propagating group, there's an alpine bulb sort of group. They don't call it that, they call it the rock garden or something. They, um, you know, they have a number of different groups that you can, and they have a camellia and rhododendron group. So it's it's quite a big group, and it's very it's a very interesting one to join. Their meetings are on Saturdays during the day, which is very civilized, yeah. and they have really interesting speakers as well. So Fernie Creek today would be an yeah. excellent place and the to Salvia go. Society there too. The Salvia Society yeah. are there. Yeah. Yes, okay. yes, Meg's there, um, and the Salvia Society are always wonderful because, and of course, there are a lot of Salvias in flower now. Yes. So I, yes. I do swear I won't talk about salvias when I come on here because I just do. You can't help talk about salvias, though, well, can you? No, and I have so many in my garden. Yeah, me too. But they're wonderful. Yeah. The reason they're there is because they work. Yes. yes. And, they, and they've got that, you know, those Japanese ones? those Kawame. Yeah, yeah they, that's absolutely beautiful. They've got those actually. for sale. Yeah. Claudia bought one actually, of those. Actually, I've got one similar too called... Um, Clug's cream, which is a lovely one, like similar to Coarbe, but with like a lighter colour. Right, yeah, it's yes. really lovely. I find those a bit difficult to they get are. through the summer. Actually, mine are in part shade, but the water requirement on them is mm. high. I was actually reading in the Salvia newsletter that they're great to Coarbe and all those to do in um, pots. That's what Meg was saying yes, yesterday, that she yes. thinks they need to stay in pots. And, of course, I don't do pots yeah. because I just end up with... Actually, they'd be nice in a hanging basket, really, if you have a look yes. at the form of how they are. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Yes, so the Salvia Society's there, um, and there's others that I've forgotten about that are there. Can you get tea and coffee and Yo, food and uh, yes, that sort Yes, yes, you yeah. can. They, they have tea and very cheaply, and they have a really nice sausage sizzle. I had the sausage. <gasps> Virginia and I love sausage sizzles, actually. <laughs> We we will drive to Bunnings just to have a sausage sizzle. <laughs> well, I, I don't often have sausages in the house. They're definitely not on the list for somebody who's got some high cholesterol. One morning we were out and um, I can't remember where we were and there wasn't a sausage sizzle and she said, I'm going home. And it was really funny. I had to go into IGA and they had a sausage sizzle out the front and I texted her and said, you missed out. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing nicer. <laughs> Driving <laughs> over there, all over the Yarra Valley looking for sausage sizzles. <laughs> How pathetic. <laughs> they taste better if someone else cooks it. Absolutely. Yeah. And all that onion. I it love and, and I have a mixture of tomato sauce <coughs> and mustard, you know. I'll never do that at home. Mm. <laughs> okay, I must get to a few more announcements. Um, firstly, uh, the Garden History Society have got um, a talk coming up uh, next Tuesday, this is the 15th of March. Um, it's a talk by Greg Johnson, and he's talking, it's entitled Quill and Spade Pioneer Garden Writing in Australia. Uh, now, the lecturer will explore the publications and the writers who instructed and inspired the pastoralists, the town folk, the gold rush boomers, and the would be immigrants back home to lay the foundations of garden history uh, pre-Federation Australia. Now, the, uh, it starts at 6 o'clock for drinks and nibbles, 6.30 for the lecture, which is all taking place at Mueller Hall, which is at the National Herbarium, Birdwood Avenue in South Africa. Now, cost 
for members of the Australian Garden History Society is $20, for non-members $25, for students with a student card $10. And um, if you'd like inquiries on that one or phone bookings, you can phone Anna and her number is 9820-8828. That's 9820-8828. Now, also, I mentioned last weekend, um, coming up next Saturday out at Villa Alba um, Garden and Museum, they're having a special um, concert. It's entitled Water. It's a concert of harp music at Villa Alba Museum, and um, it's been given by Michael Johnson, who's the resident harpist and composer from the Royal Botanic Gardens in Melbourne. Now, as I said, it's next Saturday, the 19th, 7pm uh, through to 9pm. Tickets are $20. Uh, now, there is a warning here. They can only seat 72 people, so uh, it's a matter of first in, best dressed. Um, if you'd like to make inquiries about that concert or to uh, organise some tickets, you can phone Sue and her number is 9882-6292. That's 9882-6292. Or you can go to email inquiries at villaalbamuseum.org. He's a wonderful harpist. He really he is superb. Yeah, I've heard him in the Botanic Gardens, and uh, yes, he's just fantastic. Plus a really nice person. Yep. I heard him interviewed, actually. He was on the ABC um, just recently uh, because he's got some other concerts coming up. So, um, yes, he's, 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 he's really... Very, very talented. Yes, and one of those big, gentle men that just are really appealing, you know. Now... Um, I have to also mention that uh, with Open Gardens Victoria next weekend, um, they have their next Open Garden coming up, and this is a garden that uh, many people I can really recommend. I've been there a couple of times, and, of course, this is Karen Sutherland's garden. Oh, nice. And uh, Karen, of course, comes on the program regularly. Now, um, her personal garden is opening. It's a very productive garden. Uh, right out to the nature strip. The front and the back garden are absolutely loaded with edible plants. And the garage roof. And the garage roof and the beehive on the uh, house roof. It's just uh, non-stop production. Um, so it's a very inspiring urban food garden. There's more than 200 edible and useful plants on display there, but they're all in an ornamental setting. And, of course, Karen also um, is a garden designer and she loves designing edible gardens for other people. Now, as well as the garden being open, she's uh, giving talks on native herbs, bush foods and perennial vegetables at 11am, 1pm and 3pm on both days. And there'll also be regular guided tours of the garden. Now, um, her address is, uh, where am I? 22 Lochinvar Street in Pascovale South. Parking is in the adjoining street. And uh, it's open 10 through till 4.30. Entry price is $8. Children under 18 are free. And uh, once again, Open Gardens Victoria have uh, given us one free double pass. Uh, so if the first person who likes to phone in 
on 94190155. Um, we can organise that double pass to be posted out to you. So that's 94190155 to get that free double pass to Karen Sutherland's garden either next Saturday or next Sunday. And while I'm mentioning Karen Sutherland, she will be giving a talk uh, at the Friends of Burnley Gardens uh, meeting on the 22nd. Um, and this is a talk about growing bush foods uh, in the city and how to use them. And uh, she'll also bring examples for you to touch and taste. And uh, <coughs> that meeting will be at, on, as I said, Tuesday the 22nd of March. Um, it's being held in room MB10, which is in the main building. You follow the signs. It's out at Burnley Campus, which is at two, 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. Uh, there will be um, drinks and nibbles at 7 o'clock, then 7.30 for the talk. Cost is $5 for members of Friends of Burnley Gardens or for non-members $15. Bookings, again, are essential for catering. You can phone 9035-6861. That's 9035-6861. Or you can email a.smith at unimelb.edu.au. That's adsmith at unimelb.edu.au. Just a couple more I really should mention. They've got, uh, there's so much on at the moment. Um, coming up will be the Autumn Plant Sale of Australian Plants for the Growing Friends Group down at the Royal Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne. This is taking place next weekend as well, 19th and 20th of March, 10 to 4 on both days. They'll have a wide range of Australian plants in tubes and larger pots, uh, all priced from $3 onwards. So it's a great opportunity to purchase plants and look around the Australian garden. And also uh, coming up next Sunday, the 20th of March, uh, Cottage by the Sea, which um, is uh, <clears throat> a group that uh, give holidays to children in need. They've been doing it for over 125 years. They receive no government funding. It's uh, dependent on money raised by its branches and donations from individual supporters. Now, the Bellarine branch is organising an Open Gardens Day. Uh, it will feature five gardens around Corio Bay. They're all in close proximity to each other in the Drysdale area and most have wonderful views over Corio Bay towards Melbourne. Now, uh, as I say, there are uh, five gardens open. Uh, there'll be Devonshire Tea and Garden Stall at Kilmurray, which is one of the gardens, and uh, to find out more and to see a listing of all the gardens, you uh, can go to www.cottagebythesea.com.au or you can phone 0419102384. So that's www.cottagebythesea.com.au. And uh, as I say, that will bring up all of the, the five gardens. Tickets will be at the gate. Uh, $20 gives you admission to all five gardens, which is 
very, very generous. I think that looks like the most wonderful day. Unfortunately, I won't be here. I would be down like a shot. It would be a great day, wouldn't it? And uh, I have seen one or two of those gardens, and both of them I would go back to again. They were just fabulous. Excellent. Particularly the one in Drysdale. It was okay. mind-blowingly wonderful. Yep. Well, as I say, that's $20 admission to all gardens, or if you only have time to visit one garden, $5 per garden. But... Uh, Definitely something well worthwhile because you're supporting a great organisation at the same time. Okay, I really think it's time we opened up our talkback lines for callers if you'd like to uh, ring in and ask a gardening question. But particularly uh, while we have uh, Virginia Haywood in from the Botanic Gardens in Melbourne and Sue Stevens from Bushland Flora Nursery so we can talk... Um, all things both uh, both native and uh, ornamental this morning. So if you do have a gardening question, do give us a call. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Sue, let's start with a couple of plants that you've brought in. Well, I've actually decided to um, bring in some yellow things today because um, I like yellow in the garden and I'll just grab some to talk about. And, of course, Sue didn't realise that yellow is my favourite colour, <laughs> which is why I always celebrate when the wattles come out. I just love yellow. It, oh. it brightens you up when people are thinking we're going into dreary winter and, mm. you know, there's nothing and you suddenly get this burst of, of, of gold I through do, the bush. I do think it's one of those things, too, like hot colours and warm colours in winter are fabulous, whereas they're not quite as good, I think, in a really hot summer's day. Sure. And when people are scathing about agapanthus and say how horrible they are, if it's 40 degrees, well, no, actually, Aggies don't look any good at 40 degrees. <laughs> no, they don't. But if it's 35 <laughs> degrees and you've got these blue, blue flowers in your garden, they do look cool. That's right, that's and, right. And, and in the same way, if it's dark in the middle of winter, yes. yellow can really brighten the garden. Lift the garden. Absolutely. Mm. So what have you got there, Sue? This particular plant, it's a Chrysocephalon apiculatum that we actually call sun buttons. Um, Ian Shimon, who runs Bushland, was telling me yesterday that Paul um, Thompson, who's a landscape designer and also he belongs to the Asteraceae group, um, had all the people plant out all the different chrysocephalins at Monash University oh, to okay. see how they actually perform. And this is the one that came up trumps. So I actually planted it when I was having my open garden. There were some spots there for a ground cover that I needed to have silver and yellow. And they have flowered in my garden since February last year. They haven't stopped. That's amazing. And um, Ian was saying you can actually run over it with a lawnmower and it'll, it will come back. So, And it's quite... It doesn't all get all that big, I'd say. It's probably only about 20 to 30 metres. It's funny. It says one Centimetres. Point, centimetres. It said that it spreads to 1.5, I, I suppose, by suckering, but I've, I've only got a gap. But it only... The gap mine can grow in is only about 20 centimetres because it can't spread any further than that. But it's lovely and it's a silver, very fine leaves and your little groupings of um, little yellow buttons. flowers. on the, buttons. Yeah, little yes. buttons. Yes. Yeah, it's a lovely little thing. So I love it with purple. So it's very nice if you're going to plant it with a brachys cone. Yes. Yes. Um, Brasco purple actually looks really good. I don't know if people have seen that. It's quite a low-growing one. Not too high, it's sort of about um, 15 centimetres tall. Yeah, so that's one I've brought in. Both Sue and I garden 
with lots of natives and lots of exotics. And people say to me, have you got an exotic garden? I say, no. Oh, have you got a native garden? No. I mean, you know, why not mix them? Yes. They look I, fabulous together. It's, it's try, when you're trying to find the right plant for that spot and the right colour, that's where if you're working with your natives and your exotics... You've got you, your you full palette. You yes. can do it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, the other thing I've been using at the moment, there's a beautiful osteospernum called, mm. is it Pow, Pow Wow? I'm not sure. It's like a, berg, a burgundy, burgundy. It's red. It's beautiful. We've both got it in our garden. But it's just not all the osteospernums are actually really vigorous growers and continually flower. And this one, uh, Virginia actually put it into her top garden. So I'd seen it perform, low water, flowers continually so I had actually three problem spots and I thought burgundy goes really well with purple and absolutely magnificent plant for the garden yeah I think with I think with the osteosperm some of them have been too bred yes because when I came to my garden it was just covered in osteosperm but it was a species and it's it's positively weedy that's right because that one actually seeds off these are the varieties whereas some of them I think they've bred them so much that they're just not as strong as the as the parent plants. What's the yellow one called? Um, Voltage yes. is the other one that's fantastic too. Mm. Yes, because that's getting... not a good name. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like voltage. You get electric shock when you look at the brightness of the. But yellow I'm also in the thinking about weediness and bolting. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. actually yeah, it's good though because I mean you you cut the flowers back and you're getting probably I'd say it. Reflowers three times a year, which is great. Yeah, to that's, get that that's nice good, yellow. Isn't it? Yep, mm. and easy to propagate. Right. So if you get one, yes, you can multiply it very quickly. Fantastic. Yes. Okay, what else have you got there, Sue? God, um, I love wattles, and this particular one that I've brought in is a Acacia provissima nana, which is a small variety called Golden Glow. Um, so it has the, I suppose you'd say, serrated leaves of your provisima, but it only grows to 1.2 to 1 metre wide. But it is a wonderful, it grows into a, a form that you don't have to prune, but if you want to prune it back, and if we need cutting material, I've actually cut my plant back down to within an inch of its life, and then the following year it is just beautiful. Mm. Full sun. Very low water. I, I do water mine probably uh, once or twice, once every two weeks in summer, only because I don't want to lose it. But uh, I would say that once it's established, you wouldn't have to water it at all. And then it has sprays of um, sort of lemony wattle flowers in winter, but I grow it because of its form. It's I think just one of those plants that... I don't know how to describe that leaf, but I think the leaf's wonderful. It's like... Triangles growing straight from from the stem. I mean, mm. nobody would pick that as a wattle. Mm. It's most unusual that leaf it's form. It's beautiful. Yes, yeah, so that's is. your provisima. My next door neighbour's actually got the main tree of that, which would be, oh, I'd, I'd say hers is probably about three metres tall. And right. as a tree, it is absolutely beautiful. Mm. So when that flowers, and I've got that. I actually planned a lot of my garden around hers because her garden's my backdrop to my side garden and I've got that sort of up the top there and it's just divine. And how yeah. how big did you say that one It's grows? about a metre to a metre and a half. Yeah. That's ideal. But and is that in your sale? It is, oh. yes. So we've actually got, um, we've got it in 18-inch <laughs> pots at the moment. 
not at the markdown price, but we've actually got it in our... Um, but your prices are, are so cheap even yes. without the markdown yes. price. Um, and they don't take long to get established. So, yeah, it's a great plant. Um, another one I actually haven't brought in that I absolutely adore is probably one of my favourite plants is Acacia honey bun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sticky wattle. And um, the dwarf one that we have of that is uh, probably the same, about one to one and a half metres. It just never needs pruning. We've got it in, that's what we've got in your, yes. the, the Gre- Grevillea garden. Mm. We had some big gaps in Virginia's and it's, um, for its foliage, it's, it's, it, the, it, it's, you don't, it's one of the, one of the only wattles that you don't plant for the flower. Okay. But it, it grows naturally into a ball and it's a very like limey green. It's, yes. You know, where most Australian natives tend to be fairly, um, not very, very green, you know, unless they're, unless they're from the rainforest. Our, our plants tend to be quite grey, but this is very, lime very green. green. It's, yes, it's beautiful. So, and it's, it's great because it sits there in this big ball in the difficult part of the garden. Mm. And I've got three of them in a row and they just look fabulous. Yes, yeah. that's it's a great plant. That was your idea and it worked yes. really well. Yeah, and they were on the markdown section when we got those yes, and they yes. were looking, I said they'll Tatty. pick up. It didn't take very long at all mm. once you get them into the ground. And, and they've been there a while and I think they've been watered once this summer. Wow, which is all. great. Yes. And they probably only take, mine probably took about two years to get to its height. So it's actually fast growing, I think, for a native. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, of course, really being lovely. totally on tank water, I'm so dependent on things not needing too much water. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yes, but that's performed, obviously, yes, really well yes, for you. it's fabulous. Yeah, 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 good. What else have you got there, Sue? Actually, what I did bring is a Hiberdia scandens, and what I wanted to talk about is I had a lot of people in to the nursery yesterday looking for plants to grow um, on embankments and difficult spots, and... Um, I've actually been recommending to grow um, Hardenbergias and also um, the Hibertia scandid, what's it, snake vine, people know it as. It's actually a climber, but it works really well on a bank. As a dropper. Yes. Okay. I've actually planted it. Um, my in-laws have got a farm up at North Harcourt, um, hot afternoon sun on a bank. And I actually did the plantings with the Hibertia scandens and also Hardenbergia white mist. So oh, yes. I started at the top because it's a very steep drop and they're actually growing down the bank in line. So I've got different oh, wow. climbers coming down and okay. uh, royal mantle sort of underneath it. And that doesn't get any water. Mm. So it's a great plant if you need to cover a bank, a bank, and it's not prickly as a preference to um, putting in a grevillea. Yes. Yeah. I've got the white mist on mine, on, on actually along the road, because I've got a big drop down to the road, you know, they've dug through the hill, and I've got the white mist, and I'd never prune it because I get a phone call from Sue. Ian and I are a bit short of white mist. Can we come and take cuttings from <laughs> yours, please? And so there it's pruned within an inch of its life, but it always That's comes right. back. By the way, we need to prune them again. <laughs> oh, dear. I think it's quite good, actually, if you live near a wholesale nursery and they need some extra things extra places to go and get cuttings. Well, absolutely. If you've got three acres like I do, you just offer up. Yeah, Yeah, because I'll tell you what, even with the size of our nursery, the amount of plants that you need in a stock garden, and Ian will say, well, how many do you think that I need to get the amount of cuttings? And it's a really hard question to answer um, with plants trying to calculate that out because Mm. if you have something go wrong 
you know, which you do have in propagation. Oh, of course you do. And you lose all your material, what do you do? So Virginia's house has come in very handy and also mine. <laughs> yes. So sometimes I have to sacrifice my flowers to bring the cuttings in for work. But yep. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So it's worth it. But I mean, they're getting pruned, as you said, yes. and, and that's the best way of rejuvenating a plant. So. Yeah, and actually the root systems of the plants uh, benefit from that when you're pruning. Yes. yes. Especially with Australian natives, you, you're far better off to take the flowers off and give it a tip prune when you plant it. Um, because I've found that compared to exotics, the root systems of natives are fairly slow to establish in relation to um, your foliage. Mm. Yes, that was the mistake when I first um, started planting natives was I didn't realise the difference between the two. Mm. Yeah, so you have this beautiful grevillea that could be one metre tall and then all of a sudden it might die and... The root system is it's still just, the same. Right. So I found if you're actually reducing your foliage and then work on getting your root really system. Really get the energy down and get yeah. the roots. So I can actually them. see why a lot of people plant Australian natives from tube stock too because it's probably, um, if you're planting a, a huge garden, a better alternative. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Tell me, Sue, um, where does bushland flora distribute to? I haven't got a list of all of the um, nurseries, but uh, we distribute to Bunnings, to Karanga, um, I'd say most retail. Yeah, most times when I go into a nursery, I'll see something that's yeah. in bushland. Okay. Yeah, so in Mount, you know, e- Mount Evelyn, Evelyn in, into mm. the uh, first nursery there. They're in the Fitzroy nursery. Yeah. They're, um, in, they're in the Wandon nursery. Yep. Yeah. Okay, excellent. And, and that one, that Hibertia, I've got it in, up in my top garden, which is my most difficult area. And it yeah. just goes on and on. It's lovely. All the bigger ones like Bulleen Art and Garden, all, oh, the, yes. all the bigger nurseries I know. Yep. Yeah, but I don't, um, I'm not in the office, so I'm not aware of all the other places. I know they're continually delivering. So yep. yeah, fantastic. Okay. All right. Now, the, uh, I should mention, if you'd like to join us this morning and ask a gardening question, do give us a call. The number is 94190155. That's 94190155. We're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot, so uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, have we got any more yellow there, Sue? Oh, sorry, I'm losing my glasses and my head. <laughs> <laughs> All Sue's plants are so big they have to sit on the floor, so she's mm. leaning over to grab them. Okay. Now, one another one I want to talk about is that Eremophila. I love Calberry this plant. carpet, and um, I love it because it reminds me of lamb's ears. It's that beautiful silver, but the yellow is almost a yellowy orange little flower. So great for autumn and winter. With gardening, that's one thing I love about Australian natives is when your exotics start to drop off, you're getting that beautiful colour and form through your garden using natives. Um, it's a glabriform and it grows to 30 centimetres tall and two metres uh, wide. It can get a bit leggy, but it is prunable, but it's a worthwhile plant, I think, too. And it's one of the, the ones to prune... the foliage. Yes, and one of the ones to prune early and prune often. Yeah. I've got an, a, a different Eremophila, and it's got incredibly leggy, but in a way it doesn't matter. I've it's just gone and planted a small climber in the middle. 
to cover up all the twiggy bit. Yeah. And it's and that's the maculata. Mm. It's lovely that one. It's with beautiful. A burgundy sort of. Yes. Deep burgundy. It's and beautiful. And that's in tough, uh, such a tough spot too, where you've got that Virginia, yes. isn't it? There. It's under everything. It's under a bougainvillea, under that, a that, climbing rose. That silver foliage is so silver. It's mm. almost. It's almost like a ghostly white, yes. isn't it? Yeah. It's, and, and can it's can you imagine it in Western Australian bush? It, must oh, just look stunning when you s- just stumble across it on yeah. your bushwalk. And 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 the yellow flowers, they're they're a long tubular flower. They're not they're not yellow yellow, are they? No, they're, they're not. They're, they're, they're soft. They're a lemon, mm. you know. But they they work so well with the colour of the foliage. But okay. you do get some yellows that are very very hard, and that is a very soft. That's yellow. a really soft yellow. You have a look yes. at the top. It's almost orangey across the top there. Yes, it's, it's um it's really no. Lovely. That's that's beautiful, lovely. Mm. I do think the eremophilas are stunning plants. I find some of them, some of the West Australian ones, quite difficult to grow. Um, but then I've got this, you know, heavy red soil. Yeah. And Western Australia has red soil, but it's certainly not heavy clay. Like no, no, no. <laughs> I've actually got the most beautiful eremophila in my garden. I got off. Um, there's a nursery on Wellington Road in in Mount Evelyn, a little and, family business. And they do eremophilas like do. you wouldn't believe. They have a lovely. Their stock garden is actually along the Warburton Trail. Oh, all, okay. All the eremophilas and everything, and it's. I'm I'm just glad that nobody's ever pinched them because they've got such a beautiful collection of eremophilas and I'm not sure of the name of this particular one I've got and it stands about um, 80 centimetres tall and has beautiful fine mauve little flowers like a prostanthra and it flowers on and off all year and Mm. it's in um, almost sand the position I've got spiridiums there in this particular eremophila and every time I'm looking at it, because I said to Ian, we really need to do that. It's a beautiful plant. It's about to, it goes into flower again. It's just wonderful. Wow. Yeah. For people who are interested in Australian natives, that that nursery in Wellington Road, I can't remember the name of it. They often turn up at um, at uh, when people have markets. Yeah, okay. and fire brigade sales and things. Yes. Yeah, they've got a plant st- uh, a stall in Plant Multi as well. And they really do... Eremophilus beautifully. Yeah. yeah, so it's Wellington Road in Wandon. Yeah. Okay. If They've people are interested. They've actually got a beautiful pale pink one. Mm. I'm not sure. Did you have that in your garden? Or you, no? No. It might have been one of your friends got it. Just gorgeous. I think Helen. Yes. I've got very few pale, very little pale pink in my garden for some reason. I've got a lot of very, very powerful pinks. I'm, I'm about to have a lot of pink in my garden because all the Japanese windflowers are about oh. to start. Oh. Yes, and I have buds on the Halliansis, the beautiful yellow that I had for the open garden. So it's very exciting. That is. Mm. Mm. And I noticed that... Maybe Fern- I won't go to work for the month of April. <laughs> <laughs> I, noticed, I hope Ian's not listening. <laughs> I noticed that Greg has got the Helianthus for sale up at Fernie Creek. And that, for people who don't know what we're talking about, it's it's... Like a, it's a bit like a sunflower. They call it a sunflower, but it's not like the big sunflower, but it does stand, it can stand as high as my shoulder. And it has quite a reasonable, large daisy flower, yellow. And they're just coming into bud now. And I did notice yesterday at Fernie Creek that Longon, Longonomous plants had them for sale. And okay. they're a stunner. Yeah, because you would end up on one um, stem, you'd probably have 20 flowers. Mm. And they're the size of a, uh, a saucer. Yes. Yeah, which is absolutely yes. beautiful. I mean, when, when you had your garden opening, 
They, that's the first thing your eye was drawn to. Yes. I mean, they just stand there above everything else waving at you. you yeah. You can't help but notice and them. And it's that thing about yellow again. They're of just course. So, yes. so and welcoming. friendly. And yes, yes, exactly. Yes. No, what I love great. too is having that... Um, Having the plectanthrus out at that time of the year and having your contrast with your purple, when you've got those two colours together, it does. It just draws your eye. The other thing too was the um, the lines here, the Leonotus. Oh yeah. Having that the orange at the same time you've got your plectanthrus, you've got the opposite of your colour wheel. It just draws your eye mm. to it. Yeah. Yes. I love purple and orange together. I think it's a very powerful. It does combination. work, doesn't yes. it? Yes, and very well. I should have worn my orange T-shirt. Because, <laughs> <laughs> of course, what I've brought in is a whole lot of plectranthus, and so they're all various shades of purple from very, very, very pale to really quite strong. And there's lots of them around at the moment. Uh, plectranthus called plectranthus eclonii. So if you're wandering the streets and you see a plant with big big leaves and very purple flowers tucked under a tree somewhere. They're quite big. They can be, again, as tall as my shoulder. But um, they're a shade plant, and they just, they're just they all through the shady bits of the botanic gardens at the moment, and they just look wonderful because they're really strong purple, and they flower now. I mean, some of the plectranthus just flower all the time. The thing about plectranthus is that they're a, they are a plant for a shady area. They, like, they can cope with quite dry shade. And when it's bad, and we've got the 40 degrees and those horrible north winds, the plectranthuses all lean over and look like they're about to die, and as soon as you throw a bit of water on them, bang, they're back. Mm. They, they're a re- they come from South Africa and Australia. That's the main place, and a little bit further up in southern yes, Africa. I was, I was surprised to say that you've actually got um, an Australian native yes. plectranthus here. Yes. yes. And we've, we've got one in the garden called Nisidus, which I really love. It only grows shin height and it's very rare and threatened in the wild but like all plectranthus you break it off and stick it in water and it, it it roots it's rare and threatened because it grows on the border between queensland and new south wales so it's it's fairly small area has been decimated by surfers and people who want to live on the on that particular coast it's not that it's impossible so it's rare and threatened in the wild but it's not particularly rare and threatened in nature and it's a it's a lovely thing i and think when we were looking up the book there was about 28 native plectanthrus really? species in australia we were trying to find that on the on the google last night because it came up with a map when we of australia originally yes. and where the particular plectanthrus came from and then you've got your and ones then, where they've crossed as well and if yeah. you if you go to kirsten bosch which like the Melbourne Botanic Gardens. Kirsten Bosch is one of the other ones that's considered to be one of the top botanic gardens in the world, and that's in Cape Town. And that, it is absolutely full of plectranthus. It's absolutely wonderful. It's just exciting. Mm. And it's the most beautiful position because it's up high on the hill overlooking the ocean. It's just the most beautiful botanic gardens. It's so exciting. And they have just got all sorts of plectranthus because they are—they obviously were a Gondwana plant. Yes. They come from when Australia and, and that bit of Africa were all in the same same continental block. The other thing that's lovely in our gardens is the, at the moment too is the lepicinias. I don't know if people... They are part of the Lamassai family, same as plectanthus and salvias, um, but with beautiful silver foliage and crimson. Yes, there's purple two, crimson flowers. Yeah, there's yeah. actually two salvii. 
I think is the one that you've got in your I've garden. Got, I've got two, two different, different ones. ones in my garden, and they and they they grow quite tall. They're they back do. to shoulder height, um, and and they do look wonderful because they have a, a leaf that's a bit similar to the plectranthus. They look like a cross between salvias and plectranthus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell me, uh, Sue, are there any plectranthus that cope with a bit more sun? Yes, they are. There's uh, the native one called Swabi Island actually that we've got in here it actually doesn't say how big on the tag it gets to i've had it in the garden probably for about six months and it looks like it'd probably go no no bigger than about 60 centimeters okay and that's just flowering at the moment it has very distinctive um if you smell the leaves of that pam so strong it's almost like very sage. oh goodness yes it is very sage yeah yeah but uh beautiful uh blue flower that actually takes, that's getting morning sun where I've got that planted, um, but very, very dry. Um, Argentatus, well, I mean, we've got that um, growing around our water tank at work, so that's actually in full sun, even though it specifies that the plant goes into, likes dry shade. Right. Um, the other one that we do at work, the velvet undercover, which is a cross with Argentatus and Cremnus, um, that's a full sun, full sun. It actually grows better in full sun. If you put it in um, shade, it actually gets quite leggy. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, excellent. All right. We uh, might go to, um, I think we have Pam online. Are you there, Pam? Yes. <laughs> How are you all this morning? We're well, thank you. Um, I was listening very intently to all this, the talk about the natives, Um on my block, I go down to the river, as you probably, I've said before. My block goes down to the river on a very steep hill, and down the and halfway down the river where I'm doing some landscaping, I've got a sloping part that I want to cover with a native, but it'll need to be something that will cope with the cold, and and the frost. And I was just wondering, and I wanted something. That would be a ground cover. Well, if you could make a suggestion. I've been listening to some of the things that you've been talking about this morning and writing them down. What sort of area? Like how many metres? Oh, it's not a huge area. Okay. It'd, it'd only be about oh, five feet by about three feet. Oh, okay. But if I find something that does well, then I could use it in other places. If you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah. Um, one of the grabillias that we actually do um, is called New Blood. I don't know if you know that. It's a ground no. cover. Um, mm. I think it's a junipariah, a prickly sort of plant, bright yeah. red flowers. Yeah. But it flowers on and off for most of the year, and that is probably one of the a really tough grabillia, but also that you've got the flowers and things at the same time. Oh, right. That's a great one, and that's available through most nurseries. I know Karanga actually sell um, that plant. Um, the other thing, what I was talking about, the Hardenbergias, you can they use. They won't grow. The frost just takes Does it out. really? Mm. The, the white mist, have you uh, ever tried that? Because that, I find, is a lot hardier. Because Sue has, Sue has some frost in her yeah, garden. Yeah, I've, I've got frost yeah, in a lot the, of spots. The problem is with... With where I am in Kyneton. Oh, um, yes, I okay. can't move through. It just, and it, I've had shrubs burn. Yep. 
Oh, Pam, you have the most. Grow ex- back again. You have the most extraordinary well, problems with frost, Pam. Yes. 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 The, the new blood, and actually, um, there's another yellow one called prostrate gold, is a great grevillea. Um, we've got those planted in a garden that get really cold. I haven't. I'm not sure if it actually got frost this winter, but it's yeah. in the open because we get. I get very heavy frosts on my garden in just in Mount Evelyn. Yeah. Um, Sue yeah. gets a frost that I just don't get because I'm on top of the hill. It's, yeah, it's really yeah. interesting because we're close to each yeah. other, but I, it rolls off me. Whereas yeah. Pam, I, how often have you talked to us about your frost? It's been and terrible. I, yeah. And I think that's the issue with frost, isn't it? It's how it rolls yes. and where it gets stuck. Yeah, yes. I'm on like half an acre property up on a hill and when I have frost I can have the whole of my back lawn mm. turn to ice. Yes. That's how bad, yes. yeah. So that, these are that, plants that I know um, yes. will cope with that, those and two particular grevilleas. Good, and the herbertia that you were talking about, would you use that? Where I've got that growing is right where the frost hits my garden, but I've got it on an arbor. So oh, I've right. got beans on one side and the herbertia on the other, but yes. the frost actually hits hits <coughs> that. I, I, I would um, say that, that that plant would be okay, but I'd, mm. I'd in preference I'd go the grevilleas because... Okay. Yeah, and then you're getting... Um, yes. They flower on and off nearly all year. Yes. They're fantastic. Yes. I have put in some grevilleas down there, they, and everything's slow because of the soil type, I suppose. But once it gets going, it's okay. Yes, both um, of these grevilleas that I'm talking about, um, they probably take a couple of years to get yes. spread in. Yes, but they're I, very reliable. Yeah. I think you have to give most things a couple of years, don't you? you, you can, that's, and it was interesting to hear what you said about the root systems on the native. Yes. I, I, I thought, you know, because that makes a lot of sense, what you said, actually. It does. And the other thing I do, too, um, years ago I used to have go out and buy the bottles of sea sol and water everything in with a watering can mm. because I... I swear by sea salt helping mm. with the root system and it also mm. helps plants to cope with colder conditions five degrees colder and yes. five degrees hotter is actually i have uh, two tubs make up my sea salt and put it into one and i actually soak the plant so you're getting all your air bubbles and everything out um, and then putting it into another one so you're recycling all your sea salt and not just tipping it straight into your garden Yes, I do um, that. I I always soak my natives, and I never plant into a dry hole. No. And even with this weather, with the soil, because we've had no rain up here. Yes. And um, I've been I've re- resolved to a little bit of wetting agent that I put in as well. I'm finding that that's just giving me a little bit more penetration Pam, with Pam. the new things I'm putting in. Pam, have you ever when I when I lived in England? They used to teach, one of my friends studied hort there, mm. and they used to teach them to plant to actually channel the frost. So they would plant plants along to actually make the frost channel it down to a hole and then out of the garden. Really? Yes. How interesting. If you, I'm sure if you Googled frost and rolling down hills or something like that, because what they used to do is they'd plant things like conifers mm. and they'd bring them in from the edge and bring them together and then have um, a gap mm. 
and the frost would literally hit the, the hedges and then roll down and then out through the gap and it was a way of clearing the frost out of their uh, gardens. Aren't they clever? <laughs> yeah, well, they have a lot of it. <laughs> so you might want to do a little bit of searching yes, and see I if you will. can find something on that because I remember it very clearly because it just struck me as an Australian, like it yes. was just something that had never occurred to me that no. frost actually rolled like water, which, of course, yes. it does. It does. You've got, you can, and you can see the line of where it goes. Exactly. So that, yeah. you know, you might be able to... You can to actually do, direct it. Yeah, channel direct, it. direct it with hedges. So you might be able to do some planting that would help roll it, roll it off your, some of your garden. Well, see, the other thing that I wanted to... Have I got time for yes, one more question? Yes, that's fine. Um, I, down the bottom of the hill, which probably is what, where it hits the river, <clears throat> I've got a row of hawthorn trees, and, it, and it's the boundary of my property which I don't want to get rid of it because they're going to put a walkway or something down the back. One day they will. Anyway, so, and I wanted to plant natives sort of underneath that down near the river. And is there a tea tree, a river tea tree or something that might grow down that close? What about a callistamon? Yeah, callistamons. Yeah, they I don't mind wet, wet feet. What sort of height are you talking about? Sorry? What sort of height? Oh, well, it, I suppose you'd want something five or six feet, maybe. Oh, well, and then when I say five or six feet here, sometimes things don't get to their height here anyway, mm. so, you know, I don't care, to be honest. Brachyandrum silver, um, mm. the weeping silver one, I'm not sure. I haven't had a look at the tag for the requirements, but um, the leptospernums that I've got in my garden will tolerate um, wetter conditions, but calistamins are, are certainly a plant that will tolerate wet feet. Yes, yes. I've got some of the, is it the river calistamins, the, just the plain white one? I planted some of those out of tube stock um, and they're just now starting to get some height into them and they've been in oh, three and a half, four years. Okay. Mm. How big do they get, the white one? Because we actually don't do that at work. I'm not sure how big they yeah. get, but I spoke but with a guy up here who does a lot of reveg work out yeah. on the little collar band, and, um, and I told him about them, and he said, no, they do that. That's how they grow. And, but I, it won't be, a, they won't be huge. But they're growing, they're really growing nicely now. But like you said, they've taken a long time. But I, it's been worth it. I've got four of them. Oh, that yeah. sounds good. That yeah. sounds lovely. Yeah. They're, they're not doing, white Anzac, are they? Are they called white Anzac? I don't know because I bought them from tube stock. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think I just got them from this guy who grows a lot of stock and gets and gives away a lot of it at the Kyneton show okay. in, in November. Yeah. And I think I got the four of those from him. Okay. Yeah, so, so you know, and a lot of those don't even have labels. You kind of just buy and also if you, them and you put them in. You're yep. so much better off with somebody local who understands oh, yeah, your circumstance. Got, yes, he's a great guy. Mm. It's the soil type, I think. It's mm. getting used to the soil type. Yeah, but anyway, I'll, I've, it's lovely to listen to you talking about the natives and what you do with them and the different 
varieties because it's hard to get to know the different varieties of the natives. Oh, there's so many beautiful things. And we've actually got, um, it's the excitement at the moment, is a breeding program um, with grevillea, all sorts of Australian native plants. We're actually, one of them we've actually just launched onto the market, a new grevillea called Winter Flame. It's yes. across a firecracker and um, fireworks. And if people know fireworks, it's actually quite a tall one. Um, and this is going to be compact, 80 centimetres to about a metre. And oh. profuse flowers, uh, yellow, orange and uh, red. Oh, right. Um, and it's just starting to come into flower now. And the plants that we've had, the stock plants uh, that I've been doing the cuttings off, honestly, I think it flowers for all of winter. It is absolutely magnificent. Sounds like I need that on my frog pond. Yes, Yes, and corriers. So I can't wait. Next year you'll probably see quite a few exciting releases um, from bushland flora. Great. Yes, it's nice to have uh, a lot of variety in Australian natives too, isn't Mm. it, for each season. Yeah, yeah, and the and the little birds come in and, you know, just I put in a red grevillea that I bought from Goldfields Reveg a couple of weeks ago and it was really too big to put it in, but you know what you do when you're a gardener, you have yes. these impulses. <laughs> and I planted it and yesterday when I planted it in, um, a little New Holland honey eater came into it and I was so pleased. Oh, that's yeah. great, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's got to be some rewards, doesn't it, for all absolutely, that Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I'll okay then, go. Pam. And thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. Right, next we're going to go to uh, Jill from the Herb Society. Good morning, Jill. Hi, Pam. Hi, Sue. Hello, Hi. Virginia. Um, I'm ringing up about the Herb Society's contribution to the Flower and Garden Show, which is on next weekend. Uh, we actually have to do the displays, would you believe, on Monday. But I've got. Well, um, it actually starts on Wednesday, Jill. I know, but I've got to do the display on oh. Monday. Oh, right. I'm just wondering how the plants will go, you know, for that week. It's a bit scary. Anyway, I'm doing um, six major plants um, sage and, com- and small leaf comfrey for a start. And then I've got chili and stevia. And then I've got Warrigal Greens and the last plant I've got is Zinnia, would you believe? Because the announcement came out three weeks ago that they've grown Zinnia, the flowers of which are edible, in space, the orange oh, no, really? orange flower. Good heavens. And I thought, well, that's quite an, a stunning piece of information for people. I think of zinnia as something that is really, really, really old-fashioned. Yes, yes. In fact, my friend's daughter, our granddaughter, is named Zinnia. Oh, really? So this pot was destined for her, but it's going into this display, actually, first. The zinnias were the first flowers that I ever planted when I moved out of home into along my back fence in my flat when I was 17, and I loved them. Right, and my mum always grew them, and she, oh, loved, she loved the small lily, lily put that's ones. That's what I think of. Zinnias is something that my mother used to yeah. grow, and you just don't see them round now like you used to. Well, they're so... They're so Right, you know, the colours are so gorgeous. Mm. And they're very easy to grow from seed too. Actually, I haven't done them this, this year. Usually I try and put them in because my um, husband's father put them in every year and I find when you plant things that your mother or your grandmother did, it sort of, um, you remember them. 
probably in the yeah. genes. <laughs> um, could I suggest for that last lady that she has prostanthera in that spot near the near Yes, the that's water. actually a really good idea. That would do really well. The, the only thing is, mentor. though... They, as long as there's no frost, because the prostanthras don't like frost. No, yeah. and she has so much frost. Yeah, so that the leaves would go black if you put that into that's right. that's a position true. like that's, that. I just yeah. thought, at least in the summer, it would do well. Yeah, but they do like a wetter, especially the lasianthos with the white flowers. That's yeah. certainly one that will tolerate yeah. a lot of water. Jill, Can I just say the name of the Herb Society's website? Because, and remind people who don't have internet that if they go to their local library and ask a librarian to open up the website, they can have a squiz. Yes. Um, it's Herb Society Vic, one word, dot org for organisation, dot au. And I've put on the um, speakers list um, on the website and it'll be coming out in the Herb Age um, next edition. And we've gone from... 11 editions to 6 editions, but now it's in full colour. Oh, that'll be nice. And people can get the Herbage either posted um, or online, and online it's a cheaper rate. Now, Jill, can I ask you a question? Yeah. You know Roybosch, the South African tea? Yes. Do you know anybody who grows it? No, I don't. Could you ask at the next meeting? Yes, I don't think there. Oh, Colleen Muir might know. She's a. If if you could ask for me, I'd really appreciate it because. Yes, okay. There's a um, my chemist in Seville has a herb farm. Yeah. And he's been looking for somebody who grows rooibos, and I haven't been able to find anyone, and he hasn't been able to find anyone. So I thought you were a logical person to ask. Oh well, I shall ask, and I'll yes, I'll ask around. Um, can I just say that the first meeting in April is um, called Spices, Spices, and June Valentine's going to speak. She's so excited about lots of information she's got on spices. So coming into winter, we thought that that'll warm everybody up. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> well, okay. thanks, Pam, for everything. That's fine, all right, and we might see you out at uh, Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. Oh, and the other thing I've, I wanted to remind people is that there is a list. We're upstairs with the Royal Horticultural Society with Jenny and Don, who do a sterling job for umpteen years. Um, um, there is a list, so if people are worried about, you know, the, the massive stairs to get up, then there is a lift, and thank God there is for taking the plants up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Thanks, Pat. Jill. Bye. Bye. All right, next up we have uh, John. Good morning, John. Good morning. I have just really wanted you to repeat the contact details for the Karen Sutherland Garden. Oh, right. Okay. If you don't mind. Sure. It's open 10 to 4.30 on both days next weekend. Uh, yep. The address is 22 yep. Lochinvar, and that, that's spelt L-O-C-H-I-N-V-A-R, Lochinvar Street, oh, yeah. Pasco Vale South. Pasco Vale, okay. South. Thank you, that's excellent. Okay, and but parking, uh, you need to go into an adjoining street. Okay, that, that's parking. terrific. Thank you very much okay, for that. Oh, I did have a very general question about compost, if you had time. Just sure. Just a rough ratio between the brown, the, the one grass. One to three. 
What's the, the you know, the nitrogen yeah, and, yeah. and the carbon or whatever? What one to three. So one, you, what, one, three of one, one of your rich, your grass cuttings that, and your rich stuff. One of carbon yeah. and to three of nitrogen. Yes. That, Sorry, that's, one. that's quite rough, but, I mean, there is a very exact formula, right. which I can't remember, but roughly one to three. And that is one part nitrogen. Yes, one part wet gooey. Oh, yeah, to three of the leaves. And yes. Stuff. That's what, I thought it was more of that ratio. But yeah. Thank you very much for that. Okay, thanks. Bye. 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 That number, if you'd like to join us this morning, 94190155. You're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. And this morning in the studio, we have Virginia Haywood, uh, who's guide out at Royal Botanic Gardens in Melbourne. And we also have Sue Stevens, who's the head propagator at uh, Bushland Flora Nursery. So uh, do give us a call. We're running through until 9.15, so... Approximately another 20, 25 minutes to go. So if you'd like to jump on the phone and ask a question, we'd uh, love to hear from you. Virginia, we should really mention the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show because, as I mentioned, it starts next Wednesday, running through until the Sunday, and including this year, they've brought it back again, a twilight uh, session on the Friday night. Um, So... uh, There'll be, of course, the usual uh, big display gardens, and I've I've noticed that uh, one of the display gardens uh, is uh, being designed by Ian Barker Gardens, and he is very excited because um, he has been given he's been chasing for years permission to actually um, in uh, to build out over the water, and he's finally been given permission for this for this year. So his whole um, garden design this year is uh, named Reflection and he's uh, making use of that, uh, the fact that he can actually build out over the water a little bit. So it will be complete with a contemporary boathouse that uh, is built out over the pond and uh, the idea is uh, creating a visual depiction from a person's memory of their favourite childhood garden um, and uh, it sounds like it's going to be quite an interesting one. But as well as the, uh, those uh, professional display gardens, of course, these, the Avenue of Achievable Gardens, which are wonderful. They're only small. They're often, um, they've been designed by students from some of the TAFE colleges. I did feel last year that for the first time in a long time, I really took ideas away from it. I thought mm. last year there was a bit of a change and the gardens, some of the gardens were much more accessible for ordinary growers like, mm. like us, you yes. know, who were talking about my, my, my garden's very big, but it is still just a, an ordinary garden. Yes. And I've, I walked away from Mythicus last year thinking, oh, oh, taking photographs, oh, that's a good idea. And I, I really enjoyed it last mm. year. I thought it was really excellent. It'll mm. be, I think it'll be good this year. Mm. I th- it, it seems to me to be more about the plants and less about kitchens. Was yes. it Barker, <laughs> was that the garden that actually had the, a lot of the maroon in it that he'd worked in with? Is that the with antique perennials? Oh, I can't remember. Antique, antique perennials did a really... They did a massive um, display for one of the gardens was last it, year, and it was I, fabulous. I can't, was it for Ian Barker? It may well have. I can't yeah, remember. they used a lot of the maroon yes, foliage. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm was, just trying to think if it was It was, was beautiful. Well, yeah. I know this is the fourth year that, uh, that Ian Barker will be uh, displaying there at uh, Melbourne International Flower and Garden okay. Show, so I'm, I'm sure you I could be right. I think it was. Yeah, yes. it was just beautiful. It was one of my favourites. 
months, actually. Yes, excellent. Um, but also, of course, you really need to um, you really need to um, uh, give yourself. You know, a fair bit of time. You need at least half a day oh, yes, to get yeah. around, preferably a lot more, um, because there are so many things to see and do. There's stalls with new plants. There's nurseries with, um, you know, all their, all their products. I know um, usually uh, Antique Perennials are there. Meryl Johnson will be there from yeah. Country Farm Perennials, and she always has a huge range of plants there to purchase. Um, I presume there'll be... Um, and it's time for all the, all the and, and all the bulbs. It's yes, of course. It's yeah. a good uh, place too because you pick you can pick up all your tube stock from all those um, special nurseries, rare plants mm. and things yes. too, which is great. Hancock's daffodils mm. are usually out there. Mm. Um, I know Diana Sargent from um, Silkies, Silkies yeah. will be giving talks there on the Scots stage on the Wednesday afternoon. Um, as will Stephen Ryan, who'll be out there giving a talk Wednesday afternoon on the Scott stage. So a lot happening again. And, of course, the tree and shrub growers will have their, their normal big display for uh, nursery and garden industry. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Which is what you usually do, Sue. So. I do. We actually haven't been contacted this year, so it's the first year you've been I doing haven't it. done Mifkas for, for years, actually. Yeah. Mm. The other people, um, Larkman's have a beautiful display in at Mifkas too for anyone who's after um, salvias and Clive usually has um, his different chilli plants yes. and yes. herbs. Yes, yes. And yeah, of course the chilli festival's coming up quite soon too. Actually that's in April. Is it in April? I think it might be March. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll look it up while... Um, I still haven't been to that. Every year something's happened and I haven't been, so to make an effort this year. Yes, I will too. Okay, we'll go to our next caller. We have uh, Peggy down in Frankston. Good morning, Peggy. Good morning. Look, I just want some advice. I've got a very nice little dwarf back here. Right. Now, can I cut that back a bit and make it more round? Yes, you can. You can. Is it the back of Vagata dwarf that you've actually got? Sorry? Backia Vagata dwarf, so very fine little leaves with yes, little white it, flowers. It flowered yep. beautifully in the summer. Yep. But I, it, it's now getting a bit big. I've only got it in a fairly small bed. Okay. Um, I, I haven't grown that particular plant, but I know that we do cut our stock plants back. But um, by the way that the uh, leaves and everything are, I... Do you need to take it back more than a third? Oh, no. No, okay, because I wouldn't cut it back, especially before winter. Um, yeah, so I take... Yeah. Just what, almost tip cuttings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. prune it into your shape, into you. I'd imagine you could take that into a ball. Yeah, it is in a very big ball at the moment. Yeah. But it is getting a little bit big. And I see now there is another name to it, V-I-R-G-A-T-A. That's right, the garter dwarf. Actually, you've got that in your garden. That's a little backier on the right-hand side as you come in, Virginia. Oh, like yes, of course. With yes. a little white, yeah. Yes, it's lovely. Yeah. And you, do you cut yours back at all? I cut everything back. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so a within, question how so within hard. Within an inch of its life, I must say, sometimes. Yes, I, I don't cut that really hard, but I do. I literally cut everything back because otherwise I can't fit things in. Right. 
Well, that's a bit of a problem. It's right. a lovely plant, isn't it? Oh, it's gorgeous. It actually doesn't look like a native to me. No, it doesn't, because no. people didn't believe me when I said, no, it's a native. I actually love um, the Australian natives. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? The Australian natives that don't look like Australian natives. <laughs> that's right. Um, because I've got a cottage garden, I use a lot of them, and I think that's why it works really well when you've got ones that don't have that prickly foliage and they're very soft like for people who don't know this plant it's very fine very soft leaves and very fine little white flowers it's just beautiful it's just beautiful well look thanks a lot okay Okay, thank you bye-bye now bye Right, we are running through until uh, 9.15 so about another 15 minutes or so to go um, if you'd like to ask a gardening question, that number to ring is 94190155. That's 94190155. Sue, I don't think we've talked about that plant yet. No, this plant I've brought in is a, um, a leonema, um, or it's very similar to a fabalium, if people know fabaliums, and it's actually called golden fleece. And it flowers in autumn. It gets to um, about a metre tall, Berry lemon flowers. Um, a great plant, but it does require really good drainage. Slow to take off, but once it does, it's actually beautiful and very scented um, foliage and flowers. The How big, Sue? About a metre tall. Mm. But you're looking... Because I've got that beautiful leonema in my garden. Yes, that's... Um, that's cool. Green screen. Yes. Um, Virginia's talking about a leonema that gets to about two metres tall that you can use as a hedge. But for some reason, the one that's in Virginia's is very special. I need to take cuttings off because it only grows to 50 centimetres tall. Which is wonderful yes. because it makes it perfect to, to quite in the front of the garden. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, lovely little plant. This one has very, very small leaves running right up the stem. Um, it almost, from a distance, you would think it, it looks like a bit like a, a rosemary. It does, it does. And if you smell it, the girls at work hate propagating this plant because of the scent of the leaves when you crush them. Oh, yes. But I actually love um, the smell of philotheicas and leonemas. So. Speaking of bad smells... Greg at Longonomous yesterday had an arum out and you could smell it over the whole of Fernie Creek. It was a shock and he said it came out as he was driving there so that the car was completely... (laughs) It's a beautiful arum. Right. Absolutely beautiful, but it does smell like dead horse. Well, I mean, that's how it gets pollinated, the poor thing. You can't blame it. (laughs) It wants to live. (laughs) Exactly. How was your veggie garden this year, Pam? Um, Amazingly, it's been incredibly productive. Okay. Really productive. Um, I've been uh, madly picking uh, pumpkins uh, and and curing those at the moment, Um, two different varieties. The tomatoes have just kept coming and coming and coming, um, which has been incredible. And I've now, although it's um, quite late, uh, well, normally I would say quite late in the season, though for, for the weather we've been having, not so much this year, but I'm now just starting to get some, um, some capsicums coming along too because um, what I did this year was raise a, a lot of plants um, 
um, heirloom vegetables from seed. Okay. Um, and because I really wanted to try some unusual varieties that I hadn't tried before and didn't know quite what to expect. So I, I've got about four different varieties of capsicum and they didn't because they, they were slow coming up germinating from seed. Uh, they were a while before I got them planted out in the garden, but I noticed I've got one capsicum there already and, and quite a few flowers, so I'm hoping I can scrape in with a few before the weather changes too much. Yeah. I have a question. Mm. I have one of my pumpkins. It's been half eaten. Rats. That's what I thought. Yeah, afraid so. Yeah, half eaten. I've got the other one. I picked it yesterday. Yep. I thought it can finish off in the kitchen. Yep. It's quite, you know, it's quite substantial yep but half a pumpkin i mean not exactly an easy thing to eat no no um i've found uh in from past experience the only time i've ever had um a rat in my garden normally i mean i just didn't know what had struck me either the first Mm. time was that i'd actually uh used blood and bone and that attracted the rat into the garden into the vegetable garden i suspect it's my compost well yeah, but there has to be a reason. There's something else that draws it in before it then spies whatever's yes. in there to mm. nibble on. And, of course, pumpkins. I love pumpkins. So um, Well, I'm very upset because I haven't got that many pumpkins that I need to share it with rats. Yes. I'll share a lot of my things. But, you know, my, um, I saw somebody in Fitzroy the other day killing caterpillars. And I said, you're killing butterflies. What are you doing? And he said, oh, well, but they're messy. I said, no, no, they're nature. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, I'm happy to share, but I don't know about sharing pumpkins with yep, rats. Yep, Well, the two varieties of pumpkin that I've planted this year, I was mentioning this to Stephen last week. One is Lakota, and that's a mid-sized pumpkin, a really good size for... It's not too big, you know. Yes. I don't, you, don't have, you don't have to eat the one pumpkin for months, but um, just a good mid-sized pumpkin... The deepest, most classic um, orange colour, you know, a Cinderella. That's what oh, I like. Pumpkin. I love oh, that really, really orange yeah, pumpkin. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so as I say, I've had those out in the sun for the last week, just curing them, hardening them up, ready that I can store them away. Uh, and the other one I've been growing, which I've never tried a bush pumpkin before, and these ones are called Weeby Little. Um, they, they're the size of a, a softball. Oh, wow. Um, so they're perfect for a, a one person. You can scoop the, the lid off, yep. s- scoop them out, stuff them, put the lid back on, and perfect for roasting in the oven, and it's a one-person serve. Oh, how gorgeous. And, um, and uh, Simon Rickard was saying um, in America they, they call them summer squash, um, and I was expecting from that because they are in the same family as zucchini, mm. and I was expecting the skin of it to actually be fairly soft, like a like a zucchini yeah. um, or some of those golden squash. But mm. it's not. It's actually because I've left them on the bush mm. for a while, their skin has actually hardened up, and I suspect um, that they're actually going to store a bit longer than you would get away with with a with a zucchini. Yes, of course. Um, they still won't keep as long as your classic um, vine, you know, pumpkin. Mm. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of pleasure out of them because they keep on producing. I mean, my fir- I've I've already harvested about um, seven or eight of them. I'll have to I've mind. got more on there, and I've noticed that the actual bush has now spread out and sent out like a secondary 
shoot and I've got another bush coming up on, on both of them. I've got two bushes in the garden and I've got new flowers on. So oh, I'm, that sounds good. I'm really curious to see actually how long they last. They last mm. and how long I can go on harvesting for. So when I lived in London in the eighties I used to queue up with the West Indian women to buy Pumpkins. Oh, yes. Me, the West Indian women, that was all. Nobody yep. else bought them. Yep. We had them in Port Moresby. I used to go to the markets. They grew the most amazing pumpkins up there. In my kitchen, the whole top of the shelf for all my pumpkins all curing. Yes, oh. yes. <laughs> but a lot of them, they grow um, a variety I used to find really hard to cut through, really tough skin, like a butternut pumpkin. But beautiful once you actually got through, like a drier sort of pumpkin. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. No, I've, I've, I've been getting a lot of pleasure. This is why I love trying new varieties mm. so much because but, but you learn so much. there's better than roast pumpkin. It's sort of oh. extraordinary that most of the world don't eat them. Absolutely. Mm. One of my favourite vegetables, mm. roast pumpkin. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and, and um, Simon was saying last week that, um, you know, Australians are, are almost unique in the fact that we, that we love our roast pumpkin so much because... Because overseas, really, most European countries consider them, you pink, know, pink, pink food. food. Mm. Yeah, fodder. Mm. Um, but, yeah, pumpkins are gorgeous. Actually, talking about pumpkins, and if anybody likes salads, and I do, um, the other day I didn't have any roast pumpkin left. And if you have got a lot of pumpkin, what I've been doing is getting uh, your pumpkin, dicing it into very small pieces. You microwave it for five minutes in a bit of water then into a fry pan with a bit of olive oil and Moroccan spices Oh yum. and make your, your lovely green salad and yes. then put your, your little pumpkin on the top with some seeds and it's actually great and it mm. doesn't cost much and yes. really good for you. Yeah, mm. excellent. Sounds yum. It is good. <laughs> You're making me hungry, Sue. <laughs> I am too. I haven't had brekkie yet. I raided Virginia's kitchen. I wake up 3 o'clock in the morning with oh, leg cramps. Oh, no. Now, for people that get leg cramps too, I heard a story the other day and it actually works. Vegemite. Really? Yes. I sat down last night and didn't think I get um, cramps in the leg from eating too much chocolate. And Virginia and I had one of those chocolate magnums. It's got the chocolate ice cream inside <laughs> The chocolate ice cream and woke up at three o'clock with um, leg cramps. Found Virginia's Vegemite, a teaspoon of Vegemite, and your cramps go away. I think it's is it nicotinamide or one of the particular things in it. Right. Um, and I don't know why chocolate uh, sort of you become deficit from it, but yeah, Vegemite helps with leg cramps. Well, of course, you know what you're meant to do, Sue, and that's not, not eat the, the chocolate. <laughs> Ah, I dear. think it was made for females, chocolate, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We'll go next to, uh, uh, let me see, Jen, who's up in Christmas Hills. Good morning, Jen. Oh, good morning. Um, I, I had a question for Sue about hardened birgias. I'm growing them on a, um, a bank very successfully at the moment. Yeah. But what I'm finding is there's a lot of dead wood in, or a lot of dead leaves, etc., in the centre. Yeah. And I was wondering when they've flowered this year, whether I could cut them right back. You can. And the cold wouldn't affect them too badly? I don't think so. I think they'd be... Well, they're going to flower... They're at the end of winter, aren't they? The flowering of Hardenbergers yes, before yes. the spring. Yes. So I think they'll start. So you wouldn't want to cut them until they've flowered. No. So after they flower, you're yes. already getting into the warmer weather again. Yes. Yes. So I think they'd be fine. Yeah. And... And feeding them? No. 
just no, just I, I don't put a good mulch around them and yeah, I mean mulch. you can feed them with a native fertilizer if um, no, but they don't need. I don't to. think so. Yeah. They're as tough as tough. Mm. Yeah, but because I'm saying if if you did cut them back to get them to, we use a slow release um, palletized form on on our um, plants in our nursery. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, you wouldn't need to feed it more than once a year. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're very, very The tough. only thing, I, I, I don't actually feed my garden a lot because I don't want too much um, sappy new growth. Yes. Yeah, the more you feed things, the higher the water requirement is on you, your yep. plants. And yeah. I don't know the specific names. I've got white hardened verges and, and the purple ones, but yep. they, they'd all cut back. They are, yeah. I'd let them flower first, though. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And then, and then take to them with the hedge trimmers. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I really want to cut them back to the roots to get rid of all that dry yes. inner core of the plant. And the other question was about kangaroo paws. Yeah. I've had them on the same bank growing very successfully for oh, probably about four or five years now. But in the in the centre, they tends they tend to be. Uh, growing on the on the edges and getting a a patch in the centre that's sort With of dying ink. off. Yeah. Should I um, should I dig them up and um, break up the clumps and and replant them? I've never done that, so I actually can't advise you. I would imagine that you could. Just keep them, keep them going. But I haven't actually. Yeah, I don't have a lot of success with kangaroo paws. Um, in in my house at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'd imagine that you could divide them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering whether to do that or whether just to give them a good mulch and um if they're too big I you could divide them yeah but otherwise I probably wouldn't yeah, yeah. just the clumps are sort of dying off a bit in the centre in, yeah they've yeah. done really but really but you can well. cut those sections off them right yeah. yeah but to make them look nicer you're saying if they're on the edges and you divided them then you're starting off with like a fresh plant again mm. yep 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 excellent okay thanks very much Sue that's okay Okay, bye. Bye. Right, we're now going to uh, Jean-Marie in North Melbourne. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for the program. I have a couple of... Well, now that you've just been talking about kangaroo paws, this is my first time growing them, and it's because of your show. Oh, right. (laughs) I got the big red. Yes. And it was so beautiful. But now, you know, I I did what you said. I, I cut it back down to the base and when it was finished and just leave the, the leaves at the back and it's looking good good uh well feeling good because yep. i can't see it okay. and, um now i've got, I also bought because of your show uh two pineapple sage ah, lovely and on either side of my door and they're so beautiful they are so rewarding i've never been so happy with i'm glad two. they're near your door though because i find they need a bit of water in summer oh Always give them water. Yes, because they're near the door. Thank you for that. I also wanted to ask that, but they're really happy because I do the sea soul. And now I have a question because they do, they're enormous. They're so happy. And I want to prune them. Do they die in winter? What's the story? They can die back a bit in winter with the yes. cold. Yes. <coughs> but if they do, they usually come back. The thing with elegans, the pineapple sage is to make sure that you don't take that plant back too far. You can actually um, kill that if you prune it back too far, especially in winter. 
um, oh, moisture you. can so get back into the stems. Back or something rather than, or halfway back? Yeah, yep, yeah, that's what I'd do. But I'd be doing it now. I certainly wouldn't be doing it in the colder weather where you can get the rain and things into it. <gasps> oh, yeah. yep, I'm glad I so, asked. Or in spring. Yeah, yeah, but not in winter. Yeah, right, so a lot of the salvias are like that with the hollow stems. So maybe because it's they're both new from spring, I'll wait till spring. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That would be wiser, I think. Yeah, because yeah. they're so nice. I'm happy with them. There's and and uh, because I live in North Melbourne, I'm hoping they survive the frost. There's maybe another not. one too that's worthwhile if you had a big area, which is called Derisiana, and it's actually a fruit. <laughs> it's huge. It's a fruit salad salvia. Somebody thought this was, and it isn't. No, if you've Pine. got the red flowers on it, it's yeah, elegance. Yeah, Derisiana's oh. too big. You, if you had it in a pot, <laughs> the only the only reason that you'd grow this one is for the scent of the leaves. It's um, it very, is, very bright. It is pink. beautiful. It is lovely. But, oh. um, no, yeah. I don't. I live in a unit. I think I would take over. No, no. don't it's, touch it's it. It's about three metres wide. No, yeah. But you could put it in a pot. Yes, you can. <gasps> yeah. But there's lots of other beautiful salvias. Mm. Are there? I and get... also, if, if you... Um, have got some shady areas. Think about Plectranthus because some of them are beautiful in pots. I People do. in Europe grow them inside. Now um, it's called Plectranthus, yep. and I've heard you talk about it before. Yes, they're beautiful. Um, Come to the botanic gardens and have a walk. You'll see lots of them. Oh, I'd love to. Can someone walk with you? Because if I you come am... in at half past ten or two o'clock any day but Monday, you will get a guide. Go to the visitors centre. Be there just before half past ten and just before two o'clock. And you will get a guide who will take you around yes, and it's free. Yes, please. And well, I'll come in. That'll be fantastic, Jean Marie. Flick, flick mm. Okay, thank you so much, everyone. And it's just the way you talk so passionately about things like Sylvia's. I just had to get them. So I might go for that fruit salad. Thank you. Okay, okay then. Thanks. Bye. 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 Um, we've nearly run out of time for yet another week, goodness me. Sue, can you please remind uh, listeners when uh, you've got the sale on next weekend for Bushland Flora Nursery? Yes, from 8 o'clock until 4.30 on uh, 110 Clegg Road in Mount Evelyn, and I will be there. So if you need a hand picking out some plants or um, wanting some advice, I'll be there. Come and, and ask Sue. She's always really helpful. Yeah, and also reminding people too about Karanga's um, great sale too that they're having from yesterday running through until... Um, Next Saturday? Next Sunday. Yes, Next and Sunday. also because um, Karanga are actually open on Labor Day tomorrow. So yes. um, it's a great place to go and have a coffee. They've got some lovely things and have a look at their plants there too. And can I remind you all that if you want to go up to Karanga today, you can also then go on to Fernie Creek because Fernie Creek is just a, a lovely yes. place to go today. You'll mm. really enjoy it. Mm. And, and Sue... So, uh, you, next weekend, your sale, is it Saturday or Sunday? Oh, on Saturday, sorry. Saturday. Yep. yep. So Saturday, 8 till 4.30. That's right. 110 Clegg Road in Mount Evelyn. That's right. So Saturday, the 19th of March. Yeah, yep. so it would be great to go to Bushland Flora Nursery and then yeah. on to Karanga. Yep. Yep. Just, you, you've got so much variety between. We don't do the same sort of plants. They specialise in more rare sort of um, plants for collectors and things and beautiful uh, beautiful kangaroo paws for anybody who's after um, those. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Okay, um, 
we will we'll probably uh, hopefully see some of your listeners, some of you out at uh, Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. That's uh, opening next Wednesday, running through until Sunday. Lots to see out there as well. So uh, autumn time really is a great time to be in Melbourne and to go and look at some of these gardens. But uh, we've r- fully run out of time for now. We will be back uh, next Sunday at 7.30. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.